What's been happening, world? Your boy, the Puerto Rican powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary himself, Chris and Joe Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're going to review the new film from A24 Studios titled Iron Claw. The Iron Claw is a 2023 biographical sports drama film written and directed by Sean Durkin based on the life of the professional wrestlers Carrie Von Erich and the Von Erich family. The film stars. Zach Efron as Carrie as, as Kevin Von Erich, Jeremy Allen as Carrie Von Erich, and also stars uh, Jeremy Allen White, that is, and Harrison Dickinson, Maura Tierney, Holt McCallany, and Lily James. The Iron Claw premiered in Texas Theater in Dallas November 8th, 2023. It was in the United States. Released by A24 Studios on December 22nd, 2023, and is scheduled to be released by Lionsgate UK and United Kingdom on February 9th, 2024. The film has grossed 24 million received positive reviews from critics and named one of the top 10 films of 2023 by the National Board of Review. So, I didn't take notes because obviously I saw some theaters. But uh, here's the story. In 1979, Texas NWA heavyweight champion Kevin Von Erich worries that his father, WCCW owner Jack Fritz Von Erich is pushing his youngest brother Mike away from the, his musical abilities to become a professional wrestler. Because all of his siblings are all professional wrestlers. Well, except for a couple others. Uh, their brother, David, made his wrestling debut by with Kevin in a tag team match against Bruiser Brody and Gina Hernandez. And the actors that got to play these, these wrestlers... Uh, a lot of them were wrestlers themselves, but God, the guy that looked like Bruiser Brody looked like Bruiser Brody. And Gino Hernandez is a very, like, typical look, so I didn't really, it didn't stand out. But when you see somebody trying to play Bruiser Brody, you can tell right away, like, oh, yeah, that guy's trying to be Brody. Because Brody had such a presence right at the first time. He just looked like a wild man, like, very specific. So, Kevin meets and starts in a relationship with a woman named Pam. Pam seems like she's very much the party girl from the hangs around town he tells her about the von eric curse that killed his oldest brother jack jr as a child supposedly brought up on by fritz changing his last name from atkinson to his mother's whose family had suffered constant tragedy kevin fights world champion harley race to put himself in the lead for the championship contendership but he is brutally beaten and only wins when race attacks the referee and is disqualified a disappointed Fritz is delighted when Kavid, when the Kavid, when David displays a natural talent for showmanship while trashing race in a promo post-match where Kevin was kind of like fumbling his words and not really seeming confident because he's not very confident in the mic. So his dad kind of switched it up from the oldest brother being the future world champion. So let's move, let's move on to David. Why not? So... It starts some family drama right there where, like, you're taking my spot away from me and giving it to my younger brother. you got to be kidding me. I look like a Greek god over here. Like, listen, Kevin Von Erich to this day has always wrestled barefoot. Like, that's one of the signature Von Erich uh, appearances. These boys are all from a cowboy family, cowboy backgrounds. Some of them look like they're straight out of the Olympics. Like, they just have this natural farmer strength, but also they have this gentlemanly... You know, Christian background from back in the days, very man's man. So the fact that Kevin complained is that it's like, listen, you know why we're pushing you back. You need to work on your mic skills and maybe you'll get your spot back. And it's a harsh truth. Like, I, like I have a flaw. Even though I thought it was great, 
It was because he took a back bump on the cement. Mind you, back in the days, they did not have mats or padding outside of the ring. It was straight up concrete or wooden floors. Sometimes you prayed you get a basketball court, but sometimes you're just in some place with a like a stadium where the cement concrete floor is just going to hurt. When you take those bumps, it's going to hurt. Now, I bet you're wondering, if you're not a wrestling fan, what is a bump? A bump is when you take a hit on the ground or in general in wrestling. It's another colloquialism. It's a secret word within the industry. Like professional wrestling, for those who don't understand what it is, it is a predetermined sport, very much like the Harlem Globetrotters, and um, it's very much, it has good guys, bad guys, and they're both trying to wrestle each other for the world championship of whatever championship there is. There's a, the world championship, there's a junior world championship for the lightweights at the time, there's tag team championships where it's you and your buddy against someone that else and their friend or brother or whatever and there's a six-man tag which is three on three three versus three and it goes on and on um professional wrestling at this point was at its pinnacle it was the golden age of wrestling it was before the wwe took over and monopolized the industry it was the age of the territories and iron claw had it's kind of funny because it starts off in the territories and towards the end ends up in the quote-unquote, um, superstars era of WWE going to the Attitude Era. But it mainly focuses not on the wrestling, not on the organizations, not on the owners. I mean, the only owner really, really focusing on is, is Fritz. Outside of that, it is essentially a movie about family. The whole movie is about trying to show your dad that I can step up to the plate and carry the family name so that one of us could eventually hold the NWA World Championship and that's what the movie is, a big tragedy, because one by one, you lose a brother in some sort of tragic event. And it's just like, it mentions like a family curse. So when that occurred, um, things got a little hairy there. Uh, so by 1980, so this is what happened. By 1980, Summer Olympics had a boycott because the U.S. refused to go to Russia. And so that means that the opportunities of becoming an Olympian for Carrie Von Eric have been taken away from him because obviously Cold War and he had to go back to his family and he felt like he disappointed everyone but his dad's like it's not your fault this is politics this isn't about you but now we're gonna figure out what you want to do and he for the first time had to rethink like what am I going to do post-Olympics because all he ever wanted to do was just you know he's a discus thrower and so pretty much a traditional Olympian in the Olympics and be, you know, get the Wheaties box and get all those, the, all those deals. Now his dad's like, you got a backup plan. You want to join the brothers wrestling? Like, Give you a chance. You already know the basics. And he's like, yeah, I would like to very much, sir. Like, it's very old school. Like, he's like, yes, sir. I would appreciate that. Like, it was like an honor to join the family business. So he moves back home. Now Fritz presses him to fight alongside Kevin and David, who are already at this point seasoned wrestlers who are, again, in the territories, NWA, they're getting their names out there in this closed-circuit TV. Remember, back then, it wasn't national television, at least not all of the organizations, but NWA was the only nationally, or actually, if anything, globally televised wrestling promotion at the time. So it was the big leagues. Um, so he moves back home. Fritz gets him on to the family business to train, and while Pam helps the boys sneak Mike out to play a gig, because Mike is the youngest of the brothers here, 
uh, and he's the musically inclined one. They needed him to pretty much do a gigs in a, at, a, at a college frat party, and he plays guitar, he can sing, and he's just there rocking out while all the his older brothers are talking to girls. Obviously, Kevin and, and Pam have a thing, so they're getting to acquainted, well acquainted. And uh, by 1983, the trio debuts against the fabulous Freebirds for the six-man tag team championship titles, and Fritz volunteers David over Kevin to fight the current world champion, Ric Flair. So twice has this occurred where Kevin gets looked over by his younger brother, who happens to be a strapping blonde, tall as hell. Mind you, in the movie, Zac Efron's 5'8", real life, right? But in the film, he's supposed to be 6'2". His brother, Kevin, was a lot taller. And he was just one of those, like, he looked apart, like, for, to be a world, at the time, to be a world champion of the wrestling promotion, like, the face. And he was young, and he's spry, and he was like, supposed to head to Japan and all that stuff. So, it's a lot of pressure, but it's also, like, you want to step up and represent your family. That's that's the thing about the wrestling business. It's all about, at the end of the day, it's all about making the big bucks. And you can only make the big bucks if you're the world champion, and you get your name out there. And people know who you are, and that's where the real money starts kicking in, and you can pay off debts and stuff. So, as we go through this, let's see here. So the six-man championships, they won them against the Freebirds, free challenging Ric Flair, yep. Uh, and Kerry is chosen by coin flip. Uh, <laughs> this is funny. Uh, both Kevin and Kerry volunteer to fight Flair in his place after tragically David while touring Japan. Mind you, this is after they had a wedding. Kevin marries Pam because they had a shotgun wedding, if you know what I mean. But they had a good wedding. Like, she was a pretty girl, and, you know, they were, he was happy. Everyone's happy. They're all celebrating and dancing, doing whatever, square dancing. Like, you know, some country dancing out there. And um, David was getting ready, but he was feeling sick. It looked like he was puking blood in the toilet. Like, literally pure blood. At this point, his brother, Kevin, the oldest, like, hey, you have to go to the hospital. But David's like, no, I can't. I gotta go to Japan. If anything, I'll go to the hospital over there. Like, he's like, you really should go. You're overworking yourself. You're not resting enough. You really, really should go. And it's it's almost like a, he had a warning. Like, he should have listened to his brother. Maybe he would have survived what happened. And sadly, he died. He died in, in his hotel in Tokyo, or Japan, didn't specify Tokyo, uh, on his way to challenge for the world title, or defend the world title, because at this point, he's made a world champion. And... If to be the, considered the world champion, you had to go to Japan to be considered the world champion because they wanted to make that belt mean something. So you had to go traveling across the globe, defending it in the territories of Australia, Japan, uh, South Pacific, anywhere where the wrestling, wrestling uh, is acknowledged as a quote-unquote legitimate sport at this time, right? It's treated as such. It's no longer, no one knows it's quote-unquote uh, scripted television slash a play. They just think it's men in their fight because if you look at the history of pro wrestling it gave birth to modern day mma like modern day mma is a essentially pro wrestling if it was legit like that's what essentially what so optics wise pro wrestlers at the time were looked at at the same way people look at ufc fighters and boxers now right they just these big badass guys who can kick ass and they could these guys were not just actors they all trained or wrestled for real amateur backgrounds. They all did boxing, uh, Olympics. Like they all were actual like collegiate athletes with whether you did college football, like you did anything that can give uh, 
I guess, credibility so that you're you're an asker. Because you're you were entrusted to if you God forbid you got in a real fight in a bar anywhere else, that you could hold your own and beat someone's ass, someone who's a common man, because that's what they were saying. Like he's got being a professional wrestler is like being more than just the common man. So with that occurrence, starts the slew of injuries and sadly deaths and this catches on as the film progresses i get a little bit a little bit more depressed watching this as one brother because you're seeing the brother sibling love and dynamic this family is very close and seeing them like they're all likable it's not like there's not really like a quote-unquote douchebag brother at least not how they're portrayed in the film and the one brother who could seem like a hothead douchebag he was going to go to the olympics this guy had a dream taken away from him before he could even compete in it and he was just trying to find his way, and he's just trying to find his... And he was just a troubled person, probably on drugs, because obviously back then, a lot of these guys were on steroids, the roid rage kicks in, he was doing hard... It looked like cocaine, and, and they showed it in the film, and not just like saying allegations, like in the show sequences of him just doing hard drugs while trying to train, and, and he's all because he wants to be the best. And mind you, he ends up getting a uh, prosthetic foot because he had a motorcycle accident one night, driving a cycle drunk and on drugs, and that's and he still persisted to continue wrestling with a with a, with a prosthetic foot. And that even with the prosthetic foot, he ended up wrestling a then WWF. So goes to show when you don't quit, you continue. You can do anything, and not, anything is impossible. So we go on here where Kevin begins training Mike, who is the youngest brother, the musically inclined one. Uh, who badly injures himself during a match because he's so much lighter than his older brothers because he's just not put on the most yet. He goes for a simple dropkick, ends up landing on his shoulder correctly, and they end up in the hospital. He gets toxic shock-induced coma during surgery, and sadly, he almost died, almost died. And they're like, oh, we almost lost another sibling here. We almost lost another son. The parents look, you know, fearing for the curse. So Kevin has his newborn son legally surnamed Atkinson. Because he wants to keep the family name alive. And Mike narrowly emerges from his coma and noticeable brain damage is done. You can tell he's a lot slower and his motor skills are slowing down. And they're trying to hype him up as a turn of the ring. But this guy can barely function as a normal human being. So when Fritz presses him to get back in the ring, he commits suicide by drinking a pull bottle of pills and then drinking beer and then kind of just going off into the field in front of his house and passing out in the ditch or something, it seems. And then Kevin starts to distance himself from Pam and their son because he doesn't want to give the curse to his family. He fights Flair for the championship. And mind you, the actor they got for play Ric Flair, the actor wasn't a bad actor. But my God, did he did the worst Ric Flair impersonation I've ever seen. Like, I've seen... Um, better. Let me give you what Ric Flair is supposed to sound like. Let me tell you. No, I'm not even going to do it. That's more Macho Man. I've spent more money on spell liquor. Woo! I can't, I can't do the Flair. It's too much. It's just too much. But he has a certain cadence. Like, Ric Flair is still technically popular today with commercials and with podcasts. He's still active in, uh, professional wrestling as a manager in AEW. Like, this guy is still an active, alive personality. You'd think they would have referenced him a little better, but I can't do Flair. I'm not I'm not Jay Lethal. I cannot do a good copy Flair. I need to see a video clip and really try to practice it. But at the end of the day, the actor took me out, but it, it wasn't about... Uh, it, this wasn't a Ric Flair biopic, right? It was just like, 
it shouldn't have been a big deal, but it, it definitely was like a little chuckle, like a little levity in between all the madness because Flair is larger than life, the NWA world champion. He's the guy that wears the alligator shoes, nothing can hold him down. Woo, like you know, he's all about the woo, and <laughs> and he's got the limousine, Jeff flying, limousine riding, you know, the whole ordeal. And this guy did not come off like a good flair, but again, it was a quick scene or whatever. And as the tra tragedy consistently happens, um, uh, you have the introduction of uh, Lance Von Eric, who is not even Von Eric, he's just a family friend who is going to the Von Eric name so they can keep the Von Eric family alive. And he's played by Maxwell Jacob Friedman of AEW, the uh, was current world champion at the time, and now he's no longer the world champion of AEW. And it's gotten to the point where the name is slowly dying out, but Kevin is so depressed, going through his dark phase, and he's trying to get out of that dark place, but of course you lose your brothers. And then later on, Carrie came for a holiday party and he and he's and he's there to, with a new girlfriend uh that I'm probably a valet from his current job and gives his dad a gun as a gift and he's gonna not gonna make it for Christmas Day because he's gonna head to Hawaii to relax and rest. I'm like, okay, so you're taking time off to rest and and uh re recharge. That's awesome. But he just seems zonked like he was on drugs, he was drunk, it was the whole ordeal. So it's gotten to the point where Carrie remains the only Von Eric wrestling with this new uh, prosthetic foot, while Fritz is giving Kevin the task of running WCCW as he focuses on life with Pam. So pretty much, Kevin has been resorted to become the booker for this smaller territory so that they can focus on Carrie, who actually made it into the big leagues. So after Carrie gives his dad a new gun for Christmas, he becomes upset when he puts it away instead of having his dad firing it because it's you know it's just good luck or tradition to fire a new gun when you get it so later calling kevin and uh carrie is sounding suicidal you can tell like this is the early stages in a motel by himself and he's, he's he feels like he's cursed and his time's almost coming he hangs up but before kevin can learn his location sadly uh kevin calls fritz and begs him for help Kevin arrives at Von Eric's house next morning just in time to hear Carrie commit suicide with a gun in their front, uh, uh, in the, by a tree in the front porch of their house. And uh, he briefly tries to strangle Fritz in a rage. And it's such a horrible scene. It's like if he was just there a couple minutes earlier, like that whole, mind you, the real life Kevin Von Eric watched this film once and only once. And I don't blame the man. This is literally reliving dark times right like he's still alive now as the sole child of the von eric family and he's going through all this trauma reliving his trauma through zach, zach efron who he says played him very well um it is a tough ordeal to see this in theaters because as uh they read uh carrie's suicide note the infamous boat scene man oh man it is something else. Um, it is a afterlife scene where Carrie leaves behind the coin that decided if he would face Flair and, and reunites with Mike carrying his guitar. David, 
wearing the championship NWA World Championship belt. Actually, yeah, the World Championship belt. The newer version, the one that becomes the WCW Championship belt. And Jack Jr. appearing as the small boys was at the time of his death. And introduces himself to Jack Jr. And they all hug. And they, it's a tear-jerking scene. Mind you, I'm already over here getting teared up thinking about all the deaths that happened in the film. Let alone this sweet scene added here for, like, closure or something. And you're all in heaven together. So... This was like a very powerful scene. I'm saying, I'm telling you something right now. This shit better be nominated for an Academy Award because it was such a heart-wrenching film. And I haven't seen a movie like this in a long time. And it's one of those films I see once and I don't need to see it again because I've seen enough, you know? So sometime later, Kevin sells the WCCW to Jerry Jarrett. He is the late father of the current uh, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, who used to run and own TNA Wrestling uh, then Global Force Wrestling, who was currently an active wrestler in AEW and also a indie. I mean, he was in WWF as well, too. Like, this is the family business here, so they sold him there. So his mother gives up her housewife duties to pick her hobby of painting back up and plans to divorce Fritz. And Pam is pregnant again with their second son. Kevin weeps while watching his sons play football, telling them he misses having brothers when they try to console him as he's crying, and he's like, I'm sorry, kids, men don't cry. He's like, yep, you can cry, Dad. We cry, it's not a big deal. And then they all hug, and it's just a sweet moment. So they promise to be his brothers in the film for him, and he gets up and plays with them. Closing the titles revealed that the Von Erics were inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2009, and Kevin and Pam bought a ranch where their large family lives all together now with seven kids, and 14 grandchildren. So the Von Erich family is live and active today. And again, the Von Erich sons, two of them are Marshall and uh, Ross Von Erich, who are currently wrestling. Marshall, like his dad, wrestles barefoot. He actually looks like a variant of his Uncle Dave with the blonde beard and blonde hair. He's very tall. And then Ross looks like a spitting image of his dad. So these two are still active wrestlers in Ring of Honor and AEW today. So... The family legacy continues. These guys have definitely uh, lived up to the legacy of their parents, and it's great to see their legacy continues. And with, through all this tragedy, the family is still active in the business today and flourishing in the business and slowly becoming mainstays in the, in the eyes of the general population. So that being said, this movie gets 100%. No movie has ever made me feel this kind of emotion, and not just the wrestling aspect of it, but the whole losing family members that hits me a lot because I've, at a young age, have lost all my grandparents, barely got to know them that well. I recently lost my mom two, three years ago. It's it's tough because I'm not close to any family. Like, my immediate family is who I'm, for the most part, close to, but I don't really have that loving all, all all of us are together for the holidays like it, we don't we never had that at least not when our grandparents are still alive like it seems like once we lost the grandparents we kind of lost the where we should have all been put together like you know we all should have just made up it's just one of those things where family just grow apart and as you get older unless you have your own family and wife and kids it's it's a very it's a very uh touching subject but i don't mind sharing about it because this movie is as relatable. Granted, I've never lost anybody to suicide or never lost anybody to accidents, so it's always natural causes, but nonetheless, it's not any less tragic when you lose family you're close to. And this family seems like they're very 
very much as as hard how do I say this? As hard and old school as her father is. You can tell the father cares for his sons, but it almost seems like he was vicariously living his life through his children too. It's just a matter of like I couldn't make it. I want to make sure all you guys make it sometime. At least one of you guys makes it. So make the, my journey all well worth it. But again, no one was forced to wrestle except for Michael, I guess. Uh, it was all, they all wanted to make their dad proud. It's just sad how things ended. But luckily, again, like I said, two of the sons are currently, I hope, signed by Ring of Honor and AW. We'll see if Tony Khan signed them or not. I think they're just going through a trial run. They were previously in MLW, Major League, Major League Wrestling. I don't want to. Bring, I want to bring that up too. There's a lot of organizations. We're now living in a time where the monopoly is demonopolizing finally, and there's other organizations growing as well. So it's a telltale. Like there could be some great wrestling films if you just dive into the family aspect of it. It's not so much the entertainment and. The stuff you see, you can see it yourself, watch your, you know, network specials and stuff, but the actual family dynamic, that's what people want to see. And it's just like a lot of wrestling families have a lot of stories they can tell. And mind you, as many deaths with Jack Jr., with Carrie, with Dave, that's three brothers, right? Michael, four, four brothers. They didn't even bring up Chris Von Eric, the youngest, who was like 5'5", five, five, and he wanted to really step up to the plate, but he also tragically died. And the only reason they didn't include him in the film is because the director himself said it. There's enough sadness in this movie. I can't put another death in this. And it's just like, yeah, I get it, man. One more really would have been. Because it's it's tragic. There's even one death in the family, let alone five. Like, there's six brothers. There's only one living brother so far. It's just like, and, and at the end, it's like, it's a lot. So... Gosh, man, it's just one of those things. Watch the Dark Side of the Ring episode of the Von Eric family. Watch the WWE Network special of the Von Eric family. There's some really good stuff. It's on the WWE Network and on Vice. Look for it. A&E is probably going to do another one of their specials of the Von Erics as well, even though they're signed to the quote-unquote other guys. But end of the day, the movies like this that really touch your soul, these are the kind of films I want to see, like... Mickey, uh, was it Mickey Rourke? Is that his name? Yeah. In The Wrestler in 2008. That should have been an Oscar contender. And then this film, I hope to God it gets him to that as well. I hope we actually see this movie get the respects it deserves because this was one of the toughest films, but also one of the most beautiful films I've seen all year. And I have nothing bad to say about it. But great actors, great casting for sure. Uh, well, I mean, you know, my Stan Slayer, uh, Flair. But that being said, thank God for tuning in. Another episode of the Podcast Mercenary Show on the Podcast Mercenary. Christian Joe Ramos signing off until the next time. Thank you all for tuning in. As always, we will continue reviewing more shows and movies. I'm just going to take a little break because I did, what, two pay-per-views back-to-back and out Iron Claw. So I think I'm all caught up in my wrestling sphere. And now we move back to TV shows and movies uh, and other movies. Uh, with that being said, thank you all for tuning in. As always, till next time, see you soon. We'll be back.